0: Good morning. My name is Ryan Schreckengast, uh, and I'm one of the preachers here at GFC. This was my lovely wife who was up here many times before me, so I hope you don't feel like you've seen too much of us this morning. Uh, but I was recently uh, looking back through some old pictures from a few years ago, and I stumbled on some pictures of when Steph and I uh, first were buying our house. We have all of these pictures from when we were filling out paperwork with the realtor, and it was finally official. We got our keys to the house. And let me tell you, there's nothing quite as photographically riveting as pictures of people filling out paperwork. Uh, but my face, by my face, you would never have guessed it. It had this sort of goofy grin on it, and I'm holding up the key, smiling real big. And I remember being both thrilled and nervous as I got that, and just overwhelmingly excited about this small little key. And Of course... We all know it wasn't the key that I was really excited about. The key was really nothing. It was what the key meant that was thrilling and terrifying. This key meant I have never spent this much money in my life. <laughs> this key meant I'm going to be in state college for years. It meant we may have kids in the house that we are buying today. It meant Am I finally really an adult? All of these things were excitement that I felt when I looked at the key. But I was not looking at the key. I was looking ahead to the house that this key was representing. And today we're going to be taking a break from our series in Isaiah. And we're going to be spending some time in Hebrews 11. In this chapter we're going to read several stories of men and women by faith trusting ...in the promises of God. But we'll see that the earthly promises that these men and women received... ...were not what their hope was really in. Those promises were just the key. They were looking forward to living in the house. And I'm super excited to be preaching on this section this week... ...for two reasons. Firstly, it seems like over the past several weeks... This idea of Hebrews 11 has been coming up in our small group discussions many, many times. This idea of faithfulness and perseverance have been common themes as we've been studying Isaiah. Secondly, this is a chapter that comes up a lot in Christian circles, and I spent my, my young childhood growing up hearing about Hebrews 11. But I personally misunderstood much of what this verse and this chapter was driving at. For most of my time as a Christian. Hebrews 11 is often referred to as the faith hall of fame. But I hope that as we study it this morning. You will see that this chapter is not just a list of heroes. That we should try to be like. I hope that this morning you will see yourself. And your own role in God's plans. In a whole new light this morning. So as we work through this outline, we're going to see that the faithful will see God's promises fulfilled. The faithful anticipate an even greater fulfillment of God's promises. And we will see, lastly, that God himself is the greatest fulfillment. So before we actually read some of chapter 11, let me give you a little bit of background from chapter 10. In that chapter, the author is discussing the Old Testament law and the sacrifices that were being performed daily by the priests. He argues in verse 4 that it is impossible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sins. And then in verse 14, he says, by contrast, that by a single offering, he, that is Christ, what has perfected for all time those who are being sanctified. So it's not the sacrifices that are performed by men that bring salvation. But it's the faith in the sacrifice that was performed by God that saves. So then the only thing for man to do, according to verse 23, is to hold fast to the confession of our hope without wavering. For he who promised is faithful. And that's easy to say, (laughs) Uh, but this was not easy to do then, and it is not easy to do today because of the very real and very serious suffering that we face every day. So the goal of the author in Hebrews chapter 11 is to encourage his audience to endure through present suffering, trusting to the faithfulness of God. But he does this in a way that is easy to miss and a little bit subtle as we get sort of overwhelmed by all of the people and the character, the characters that are in this chapter. But it is far more powerful, my friends, than simply a speech to hang in there because all these other people hung in there. So let's read a few of the stories that are highlighted in Hebrews 11, 1 through 8. And we'll see how the faithful see God's great promises fulfilled. Hebrews eleven one and 2. Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. For by it the people of old received their commendation. Verses 4 through 8. By faith Abel offered to God a more acceptable sacrifice than Cain, through which he was commended as righteous. God commending him by accepting his gifts. And through his faith, though he died, he still speaks. By faith, Enoch was taken up so that he should not see death. And he was not found because God had taken him. Now, before he was taken, he was commended as having pleased God. by faith, by faith Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to a place that he was to receive as an inheritance. And he went out, not knowing where he was going. So in each of these accounts, we see three basic elements. One, there is explicit obedience. Each of these people obeyed what God told him to do. Two, there is an implied promise that if they obey, they will receive a promise. And three, there is hardship that each of them had to endure. So let's unpack that a little bit. Look again at the story of Abel in verse 4. By faith, Abel offered to God a more acceptable sacrifice than Cain. Abel explicitly obeyed the instruction of what sacrifice to offer to the Lord. And the implied promise is at the end of that verse. He was commended as righteous. God commending him by accepting his gifts. And the hardship that he had to face, in this case, was death at the hands of his own brother. The same was true for Enoch. Obedience, in verse 5, he was commended as having pleased God. The promise, Enoch was taken up so that he should not see death. And the hardship we hear about in Genesis, where it says that Enoch, Enoch walked with God, and this in an era where wickedness was prevailing and growing and growing. Noah, in verse 7, obedience, in reverent fear, he constructed an ark. Promise, he became an heir of the righteousness. And Noah's hardship, we also know from Genesis, was to endure the ridicule and the shame of his neighbors. Abraham, verse 8, obedience, obeyed when he was called to go out to a place. The promise, he was to receive an inheritance. The hardship, not knowing where he was going. Every one of these stories, and all of the ones in the following section of Hebrews 11, including the stories of Sarah and Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Joseph, Moses, the whole Hebrew people, and even Rahab, follow this same pattern. Obedience, promise, and hardship. And I think that the author is clearly trying to draw a parallel between the position of these great historical icons and his contemporary audience. Hebrews 11, or, sorry, Hebrews 10 verse 23 says, obedience, hold fast to the confession of our hope without wavering. The promise for he who promised is faithful. And the hardship was and is waiting for the promised return of Christ through both persecution and suffering. So he drew this connection between these people from the past and the position of the modern-day church. So we've seen that through faith and obedience, God's faithful see his promises fulfilled. And indeed, the examples that were set by these men and women is absolutely inspiring. They demonstrated a faith, not just of belief, but of works. And this makes all the difference. When Steph and I were getting serious in our relationship, I was hesitant to propose to her because I was only waiting tables and I wanted to have a reliable career that I could use to support a family. While my motivation for this was good, I allowed my job to get in the way of what I believed the Lord was calling me to do, and that was to marry Steph. So after conviction and much prayer, I finally proposed, even though I didn't have a career, trusting that the security of my family rested with God anyway, not with some job that I did or did not have. Faith is active. And the results of that step of faith are pretty amazing, and you should talk to Steph or I about it sometime. We love to share that story. Uh, but for you, how does that work? Does your faith, like Abel, encourage you, according to Romans twelve one, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, a true and acceptable form of worship? Or do you... Make comfort of your body your highest priority, even though you say you have faith like this. Students, does your faith cause you to submit your future security into the hands of the Lord with prayer and trust, or do you bull ahead with your plan heedless of the voice of the Lord? Is your mind consumed by worry about the truly awful and often terrifying events in this world? Or do you have faith that God is both good and in control and allow that faith to control your thought life? Brothers and sisters, we can absolutely look on these stories from Hebrews 11 and find faith and hope in their example. Romans 15:4 says, For whatever was written in former days was written for our instruction and through endurance and through the encouragement of the scriptures that we may have hope. This is the way that I read these verses for most of my life as a Christian. Christian, As simply an admonition to do as these great heroes, hall of fame, heroes of faith, men and women did. Hold fast and have faith And you will see God's promises fulfilled like they did. And my friends, that is true. But that is not where the author goes in the next verses. In fact, his next point is a little bit jarring and and uncomfortable, if we're honest. But it leads us to our second outline point. The faithful anticipate a greater fulfillment of God's promises. Let's read Hebrews 11:13 through 16. Remember, we just heard all of these amazing stories. These all died in faith, not having received the things promised, but having seen them and greeted them from afar, And having acknowledged that they were strangers and exiles on the earth. For people who speak thus make it clear that they are seeking a homeland. If they had been thinking of the land from which they had gone out, they would have had the opportunity to return. But as it is, they desire a better country. That is, a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God. For he has prepared for them a city. Wait, what? Did, did you hear like a record scratch in your mind? These all died in faith, not having received the things promised. Let's recap again. We're talking about Abel and Enoch and Noah, Abraham and Sarah. Isn't it true that they did receive what was promised? God did accept Abel's sacrifice. He did protect Enoch from death. God did save Noah and his family. He did give children to Abraham and Sarah. So how then can this verse claim that they all died without having received the things promised? Well, my friends, it's because of verse 16. But as it is, they desire a better country. That is a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared for them a city. My friends, those earthly promises that God did fulfill were just a taste. They were an insignificant thing. And those men and women knew it. Those promises... Were the key. that was a sign of the things to come. Their faith was that God would fulfill an even greater promise. And so the earthly fulfillment was secondary. Do we have faith this morning that God will give us just a key? Or do we have faith that he has already given us a house? If we desire a better country that is a heavenly one, then we know that God will give it to us. And he will give us exactly what we need here on earth to get there. And this may not look like we expect it to. We may even die not having received the things promised. But if so, that is because we are expecting a greater fulfillment of the promises of God. And we know that He will not be ashamed to be called our God. And I don't know about you, but for me, sometimes it's easy to get so excited about the key, about the earthly things, that I forget that the key is meaningless without the house. I put all of my focus on this small little thing that is our earthly existence. And I forget that it only shows us now the goodness that is to come. We get so focused on our physical health that we forget that this body is temporary. God may bless us with physical health. Or he may bless us with a chronic disease. But if our faith is in the promise of God's healing, then either thing that happens... We may rest absolutely secure that he will, he will heal our soul. We may get so focused on protecting our children that we forget that they are God's children first. And God may bless us with children who are faithful and who follow him their whole life. Or he may bless us with children that rebel and they have to struggle through their life. If our faith is in the promise of God's salvation, then either way, we know that nothing can keep God's own from Him. We get so focused on proving our own rightness that we forget we are all sinners. God may bless us with an understanding family, a loving community, or He may bless us with earthly misunderstanding and disbelief forcing us to trust that he is the one who knows the truth and he may be the only one but if our faith is in the promise of God's justice then either way we know that he will judge justly and make the truth known and my friends as we even sang this morning he is faithful to do it even if we go to our graves Without earthly fulfillment. So let's ask the question honestly then is it worth it to go through this earth being potentially not fulfilled to receive God's greater fulfillment later? Well, let's look at a few more of the stories in verses 17 through 31, and we'll see how God was faithful beyond merely earthly promises, but to eternal promises. Verses 17 through 19. By faith, Abraham, when he was tested, offered up Isaac. as he And he who had received the promise was in the act of offering up his only son, of whom it was said, through Isaac shall your offspring be named. He considered that God was able even to raise him from the dead, from which, figuratively speaking, he did receive him back. Verse 22, by faith Joseph, at the end of his life, made mention of the exodus of the Israelites and gave direction concerning his bones. Verses 24 through 26, by faith Moses, when he was grown up, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to be mistreated with the people of God than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. He considered the reproach of Christ greater wealth than the treasures of Egypt, for he was looking to the reward. The faith of Abraham in verse 19 was that God was able to even raise him, that is, the child of promise, from the dead. Consider that what we learned about Enoch from verse 5. It's clear that these men in Hebrews 11 had faith that God had power even over death. The faith of Joseph in verse 22 made mention of the exodus of the Israelites. And the faith of Noah in verse 7 makes it clear that these men had faith in God's promise to send a savior from both slavery And destruction. The faith in the Lord shown by Moses is just astounding to me. Verse 26. He considered the reproach of Christ greater wealth than the treasures of Egypt. The author is making the explicit claim here that Moses was having faith in a future Christ. That Moses identified with through the people of God rather than trusting in the fleeting pleasures of sin, he identified with Christ. And so every one of these stories, and even the ones that I didn't read this morning, point to a deeper promise. Not an earthly promise, but an eternal promise. A promise of God's complete victory over sin and death. A promise of restoration and belonging for God's people. A promise of an eternal home and a kingdom that will never end. And this is the promise that these men and women in Hebrews 11 greeted from afar. But church, the most astounding thing is that we here today have received that promise. In this room, we have something even greater than what kept all of these Hall of Faith men and women going. We have a knowledge of Jesus Christ, the Messiah. And we do not have to greet that promise from afar. We can be saturated in it this morning. Not a single one of us in this room needs to die as these men and women did without receiving that final promise. What an honor and a power that we have here today to know Jesus Christ and to have the Holy Spirit literally dwelling in us. We have a greater unfading glory than the glory that made Moses' face shine. And this is something that none of these men and women ever had. And they could scarcely conceive of it. And so this is why the author concludes Hebrews 11 in a way that I failed to appreciate for so much of my Christian walk. Read verses 32 and 40 with me. 32 through 40. And what more shall I say? For time would fail me to tell of Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, "...of David and Samuel and the prophets, who through faith conquered kingdoms, enforced justice, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions, quenched the power of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, were made strong out of weakness, became mighty in war, put foreign armies to flight. Women received back their dead by resurrection. Some were tortured, refusing to accept release." And in the dens of caves of the earth. And all these. Though commended through their faith. Did not receive. What was promised. Since. God had provided something better. For us. That apart from us. They should not be made perfect. Let me just read that again. And all these, though commended through their faith, did not receive what was promised, since God had provided something better for us, that apart from us, they should not be made perfect. Church, it is not we who should pattern our faith after these Hall of Fame heroes, It is they who were patterning their faith after the faith that we can have today. The faith that we have in Jesus Christ. You are the heroes that Abel and Noah and Abraham and Isaac and Sarah and Joseph and Moses and Rahab were anticipating We have a greater fulfillment of God's promise. And because of that, my friends, we have an even greater call to endurance in faith than every one of those. We have not just received the key to the house, but we have full access today to every room and every event and every memory that will be made there. And so how could we let any earthly thing, whether suffering or blessing, take the place of that glorious truth? It doesn't matter if we are mocked or flogged or imprisoned or stoned or sawn into. We have Christ. It doesn't matter if our bodies are healed or our bank accounts grow or our relationships flourish or our actions are vindicated. We have Christ. As Philippians 1, 20 through 21 puts it, it is my eager expectation and hope that I will not be at all ashamed, but that with full courage, now and always, Christ will be honored in my body, whether by life or by death. For to me, to live is Christ and to die Is gain. So how can we fail. To endure. Even when the heroes. Of faith from the Old Testament. Didn't have that knowledge. That we do. And my friends. This should be the motivation. That should drive us. Not simply. That there is a model. Provided to us. To be like. Or to do better. But that we have. A new faith. Made flesh. In Jesus Christ. And so that brings us to our final point. Which is short but powerful. God himself. Is the greatest fulfillment. The author of Hebrews. Makes the final connection for his audience. In the following chapter. In Hebrews 12. 1 and 2. Let's read that. Therefore. Therefore. despising the shame and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Just as the faith of those heroes in Hebrews 11 was made perfect in the church, in us, so our faith is made perfect in Jesus. And as glorious as the church is, every one of us is still sinful man but according to colossians 1:15 through 20 jesus he is the image of the invisible god the firstborn of all creation for by him all dominions or rulers or authorities all things were created through him and for him and he is before all things and in him all things hold together of his cross. We aren't done looking forward with faith to the future. Christ is still coming, and one day this will be our reality. Today we are still sick and weak and heartbroken. We are still confused and misunderstood and hated. We are lonely and lost and overlooked. But according to Hebrews 12, Jesus is the founder and the perfecter of our faith, and He is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. My friends, He is faithful if we are faithful. So let us lay aside every weight and sin which so clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us this morning. So to summarize, Hebrews 11 should show us that the faithful see God's promises fulfilled. If we obey God's word and we are steadfast through suffering, then God will never fail to provide what he promised. And yet, we may... We may not, we need not be entangled by our own expectations of what that provision must look like. We know that the faithful anticipate an even greater fulfillment of God's promises. We can set aside our sin and our fear and we can face even greater suffering and persecution with confidence, knowing that what we have, the Holy Spirit, is a power and authority that even the greatest heroes of faith in Hebrews 11 never had. And we know that there are so many great men and women who came before us, and an even greater God who is ahead of us. There is nothing in this life or in death that can separate us from God. God himself is the greatest fulfillment. So we can rely on Jesus Christ... We can rely on Jesus Christ who not only began our faith but is faithful himself to perfect it. Let's pray. Father God, um, I'm just humbled by your word this morning. Lord, that you would make peace with us by the blood of your cross. Father God, that you sent your son to pay the price of that peace. That you can be just and you can be loving and you can have a relationship with us that you desired and you prepared a place for us. You prepared the house and not only the house, but you gave us a key. Lord God, I thank you uh, that you uh, have spoken to us this morning through your word and just be with us this week as we go out. Help us to endure through whatever the races that you have called us to run. Amen.